This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast, the Brooklyn Nets off-season recap edition. We've done the Knicks off-season recap, which did feature some Nets talk. This will be an edition in which we talk Brooklyn Net basketball after an off-season we will never, ever forget. We have reassembled the Brooklyn Net fan club here at WFN and CBS Sports Radio. You've heard them before first. We've got Mike Biseglia, who produces Moose and the Taz on the CBS Sports Network. Taz and Moose. <laughs> See, now I just do it on purpose. I get it. And we've I got, get your gimmick. And we've got Billy, who I would say helps produce the wildly popular CBS Sports Minutes. Is See, that now, fair? now you know what I do. I do know what you do. And what's funny is I would say 85% of the people listening hate what you do. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry. That's fine, but it's it's why it's why I have a job. No, and it's not your <laughs> fault necessarily either, right? You're not, you know, you know. They tell me what to do and I do it. Exactly. All right, let's start with clearly Garrett Temple. No, I'm kidding. What <laughs> when here's where I want to start, because I think the Durant Kyrie portion is gonna take up a lot of time because I think all of us had a lot of emotions. Us three would spend hours, combined hours, talking about the net offseason for months and months. Uh, Ernie Acosta, the producer of the Midday Show, would be so turned off by it, he would leave the room. He'd say, oh, these jackasses are talking nets again. And it was endless. And it was endless about what the hell was going to happen this offseason. I think all three of us agreed, pre-Kevin Durant injury, that's the dream. The dream is... It'll be tough to say goodbye to D'Angelo Russell, but hey, you have a chance to get Kevin Durant. If it means bringing in Kyrie Irving, hell yeah, you got to do it. The injury changed things. I've expressed on the air, I've expressed on this podcast that when he first got hurt, I was against it. I said, forget it, don't bother. And every day that went by, and you guys witnessed it, I would move slowly into the direction of, screw it, sign the guy anyway. By the time Sunday came of his signing, I almost drove off the road in excitement, so it obviously evolved for me. Where were you, Billy, on this evolution of Kevin Durant? Okay, so I, going way back, once we started hearing rumors, I still never believed it was possible. So I was in the camp of, it's not going to happen anyway, so let's just, so for, forget it. I don't want him, because it's not going to happen. So you're rationalizing to yourself, we're not going to get him, so I don't want him. Exactly. Like the the beautiful woman that you want to ask out, but she'll never go out with you, so you'll just tell yourself, ah, I don't like her personality. Right, it did, right, exactly. That's Honestly, that's actually a really good comparison. Thank you, thank you. So, and and again, I have told you this many times, but I, I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan, I'm a big supporter of his, and I didn't want to lose him. So the combination of we're not going to get Durant anyway, and I want to keep Russell, that's what made me say, all right, forget it. I don't want him. Let's just continue to stay the course. But was there any point where you thought that they were going to get him, that they were going to get Kevin Durant? Because I know Bisegli, and he's going to say it, 
There was a moment where Bisegli was like, yeah, we're going to get this guy. You never felt that I never one? felt that. I never felt that yeah, at all. You know, it's funny. I felt that. I felt like you. I never really thought it would happen. And I think a part of why is history. I, I'd never seen something like that. The biggest net free agent signing in history was Armin Gilliam or mm-hmm. the, the corpse of Alonzo Mourning. So I was kind of with you, despite all the rumors, despite all the noise, this, despite the certainty of Kyrie Irving, which became very a certain. done deal for a month. I was kind of with you. You, Biseglia, though, I think a week out, you said, we're going to get this guy. I, I think... It was by default of who are the other teams that that were going to get him. I thought the I thought the the bridge was burned with the Warriors with the injury, and that there was some real there was some real history there where he was unhappy with the organization and he was unhappy with the teammates. We saw everything that happened with Draymond Green during the season. There was real beef that was going on in that locker room the year before. The Warriors did an excellent job of hiding it. We didn't know about it. It got a little more exposed this season. And then when I think he was hurt. There was some trust loss with the doctor. So in my head, I processed it, and I said, the Warriors are out. The Knicks tanked, and their whole goal was to sign them, but they were so bad and so poorly run that it ended up being counterintuitive, and it didn't become a destination. It became a place where, well, if I'm injured and I have to go here, this is a lot to put on my plate. So it came down to, well, with the Nets, you got Kyrie. You've got a foundation. He he likes the team doctors. He likes... He likes the pieces around him. He right. can go in there. Friendship with Levert. Friendship with Karras. Coming off an Achilles, I go to this place. There, obviously, there's still going to be a ton of pressure, but it's not going to be the same but as compared to the Garden. You know what? I think the Nets always made logical sense, but and maybe we get this beaten into our brains by the likes of Francesa and Giannotti that, hey, we're the Nets. We're nobody. We're not going to get guys like that. I mean, Mike said on the air, it's a laughable notion, and I guess as much as I resented those comments... I sort of believe them because mm-hmm. we are just the Nets. We are the little man in town, if you will. And so despite all those points you made, which were all logical, I couldn't get past that barrier. Well, two things changed for the Nets. Uh, one, them moving to Brooklyn was a big deal. And the other part was these players talk to each other. So as we've heard, they are, they're all talking to each other and they're all saying, hey, this system in Brooklyn is cool. This coaching staff, this is a place you want to come to. This is a destination for free agents. And I think the national landscape and the national media viewpoint of the Nets is very different very. than that of the local one. Very. The local one, like you said, of Francesa and Giannotti is the Nets are losers. They're nobody. Why would we take them seriously? And that's the perception that Nick fans have. But nationally, I think the person that lives in Nashville would tell you the Knicks and Nets is the same as the Giants and Jets. And in their brains, there's and no difference. But they're wrong, unfortunately. They're wrong. Right. But, hey, if, if they're, it doesn't matter. Well, you know what's funny? And I say this from a media perspective. Here in New York, we care so much about baseball, right? Most of our show, especially this time of year, Mets, Yankees, Mets, Yankees, Mets, Yankees. Very rarely will the nationalized ESPN and Fox Sports shows talk baseball. Never. Baseball is so local. And it's not just in New York. It's just a local sport. No one cares about it as much nationally. The NBA couldn't be more different in that the Nets get talked about more nationally than they do locally. The interview I did with Sean Marks made more news nationally than it did locally. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) It really doesn't. I mean, it's the complete opposite of baseball. Complete opposite in that regard. It's so strange to me that you could have a team, as you mentioned, they're making headlines everywhere. People nationally love to talk about Kevin Durant. What's he going to do? What's he going to do next? What's this angle with him? But here, crickets. Well, it's just it is a it is a strange one. Here's what it is, and it's weird because I I don't think any of us really know the answer. 
there is a feeling, and I understand where it comes from, that they're the Nets. So we're not going to spend that much time talking about them on our radio station. I mean, nobody on this radio station talks about the Nets. And so when you do that, you're just going to encourage Net fans to not listen to the radio station. I'm, I'm going to be frank. That's the bottom line. That's true. I think that there's this uncertainty right now of, should we talk about the Nets? Do people care about the Nets? I think when the season starts, I think the TV ratings, I think the buzz around the city will either change that around here or it'll keep things the same. And I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. I'm certainly not one to walk around telling you, we own this town, sons of bitches. Like, I don't do that kind of thing because at the end of the day, I don't necessarily believe it. And I don't think it matters. I just want to win. That's really what it comes down to. Met fans would do that all the time. The Mets were going on their run in 2015. I'm as big a Met fan as humanly possible. And part of the talk would be, we're going to own this town. It's like, what? Own this town? I just want to win. If you win, eventually you'll own this town. It'll become a natural thing. But what mattered to us, and I don't think Nick fans understand this, is that beating the Knicks in this was very, very sweet. Yes. Because we had to sit here for months and months and months and hear how Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are coming to the Knicks. Zion Williamson, let's tank. Let's send tweets to Kevin Durant about how much we love him. Like, blah, 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 blah. Very little mention of the Nets. Very little mention of the Nets. And then we took their game plan and we stole it and we shoved it up their ass. And I'm sorry, Nick fans, if you're listening. You should have known what you got into by even listening to this podcast. But that, I think, for me and I think for you guys added a lot to the pleasure we got when Durant signed here. We were shoving it up their asses. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> Rightfully so. I mean, look, I'll I'll say this. To me personally, and you guys might feel differently, July 1st, 2019 was the best day in the history of the franchise. See, I can't go that far. Well, I'll, I'll We got look, to an NBA Finals. We got to two of them. Well, I, I put that ahead of that because... How? Uh, here's, here's why. Okay. We have always been the little brother. We've always been the team that really doesn't matter in this area, right? right? right. And I've, I'm 29 years old, so I've seen good, I've seen bad, I've seen really bad, and I've seen mediocre. I've seen <laughs> all, You've seen it all. I've seen it all. <laughs> right. So we've always been the team that never gets any recognition. The only time I've wanted, if I actually want to hear Nets talk, if they, if they did something big or whatever's going on, I would listen to your show. Uh, Thanks, but even even me and Joe, like we'll do a little bit of it, but we don't do as much as as much as people actually think we do. I mean, that's the funny thing. We're not going to ever do three straight hours on no, the nets. No, no, I to, I, to, I totally get that. But if there was ever something right. going on, you guys would right. address it more than anybody else. Right. Uh, to me, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant signing here puts a stamp on the franchise, which is why I said what I said, and mm-hmm. that to me it's the most important day in the history of the franchise. From that aspect from, of it. From that aspect of it. It, it puts a stamp in, in my mind that this, this organization is where it should be. From the swamps of Jersey to Newark, now moving to Brooklyn, sure. it justifies that. And for a superstar, and Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, let's face it, I mean, he's a mega superstar. He's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah, a Hall of Famer. Uh, sure. Coming here, which I still like, I mean, I'm basically just laughing. Like, and I, and I agree why because it's still to me it's doesn't weird to say out loud. Compre- it, <laughs> no, I when, I, when I when I, I when I Google Kevin Durant Nets jersey, I'm actually looking at that with a straight face <laughs> and saying, I'm gonna buy this. Right, like right. this actually happened. But to me, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving coming here puts a stamp on where this organization is and where they're going. I think that's a very fair point from that aspect. I, I still have a tough time going as far as saying greatest day in the franchise's history because winning is ultimately the goal. But I definitely understand what you're saying, and it could be a day that we look back on. 
Right. You know, when, when we declared our independence from Great Britain, we didn't exactly know where that new country was going. Now we can look back at it and say, wow, that was a huge day. That was a good move. <laughs> that was smart. <laughs> so, yeah, if they win a title, mm. and, and even if they don't, though, to me, that's the ultimate goal, but... It really does shift in this town, the popularity. The Nets become a strong two to the Knicks. Then you are right that we would look back at that day as maybe the most significant day in their history. If the Nets go out and they start this season and they win basketball games and they become fun and they become entertaining, there will be fans that flock to that arena to watch them play. And I think maybe I've referenced this in the past on this podcast. The Knicks have not been good for two decades. They have not been relevant in the NBA for two decades. There was a blip where they had one decent season with Melo and when they brought Kidd in and they had a veteran staff, uh, a veteran group of, of players. But for the most part, they haven't been relevant. So everybody that does, you know, the LJ four-point play and Jeff Van Gundy hugging on uh, Alonzo Mourning's leg, a lot of Nick fans weren't alive when that even happened. No, you're right. So if you get the 10-year-old, to ten to 10 year old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old that hasn't seen much good, ba- literally has been watching as it's like, I've seen crap basketball my entire life. You're telling me I get to see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant play and Karis LeVert play this product over here? I'm going to give it a shot. So I, I think this is a big time for the Nets in the in the growing years for younger younger people to get hooked on them. You're right. I mean, it's really what the future would look like. Let's ask about Kyrie Irving because we've barely mentioned this guy. This is a guy, and I stand by everything I've said about him, who I worry about. I worry about his knee. All right, He's already had major Fair. medical procedures on it. I do worry about his attitude, and I understand what Sean Marks is saying because what he said to me last week was, hey, you get a blank slate. You know, what happened in Boston happened in Boston, and the reason I agree with that is Beningo does something that may seem sort of irrational, but he's right. When Carlos Beltran first got here, and Beltran would struggle, and he'd rip him, and I'd say, hey, look what he did last year with the Astros in the playoffs— Joe would say, I don't care what he did with the Astros. What he's done before he's gotten here means nothing to me. And Joe's very consistent about that. It's what you're going to do for me now. And the complete opposite is Kyrie Irving. You know, if we're going to dismiss the positives of what guys have done before, saying it only matters what you've done for me here now, you can say the same thing about the negativity of what happened in Boston. None of it matters if he doesn't do it here. But that is in the back of my mind. Can Kyrie Irving be a leader? Now, eventually, Kevin Durant's going to be the leader. I just don't know how much he can lead from the sidelines. Where are you right now with Kyrie Irving replacing D'Angelo Russell? Well, I mean, like I said, I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan. I was sad to see him go. Uh, But that being said, I love Kyrie Irving. I really do. You I'm, love Kyrie Irving? I'm a fan. I've I'm never a, heard you make that statement I'm a big, now. I'm a big fan. Well, you're what hearing, the hell is going on? You're hearing it now. Because he's a net. <laughs> I mean, th- I mean that. <laughs> I love Kyrie Irving. NBA champion, by the way. Well, right. Oh, my God. One of the biggest happening? shots in, the, in Cleveland sports history. Hold that time out. For everyone listening, these two guys, much like me, I wasn't, we bad-mouthed Kyrie not so me, much. Not me. I you, never did that. You never badmouthed Kyrie Irving? I mean, I said he was having problems there in Boston, but I never went on the extreme that you guys did. Oh, no way. Well, what extreme did I say? I called out the issues that he's had, and I'm still worried about that. Well, then you, and you have every right to be that's concerned. What, that's what I said. Every, you, I and, said, I yeah. said I'm worried about his injuries, and I'm worried about his attitude, but it, we just we just took care of that. And you, have every, <laughs> and you have every right to be concerned, but you have to go on the belief that your system and your culture is bigger than that. And all the chaos that happened in Boston – I can't imagine that it's all Kyrie Irving. It's like, you know what? The, it, it takes two to tango. He didn't mesh with the other guys. Right, right. He didn't get along with the other guys. Right. Well, when he was in Cleveland, 
he got along with people and he won a title. And he had until LeBron, he demanded a trade. He, well, right, he demanded the trade, but he got along with people and sure. they won there. Right. I believe in Kenny Atkinson, and I think he's going to find the best in Kyrie Irving. I, I, also, I, I really do. Yeah, the positive I have is I think Kyrie Irving's a smart guy. I don't mm-hmm. think he's completely foolish. That's why I don't buy the whole flat earth thing. I think he's just clowning everybody. Agreed. I think he knows. I can't mess this up. I can't. I demanded a trade out of Cleveland. I go to Boston. It didn't work there. I chose to come here. I've got good relationships with guys on this team. He's friends with Spencer Dinwiddie. He was at least teammates with Joe Harris. I can't say that they're they're close or whatnot. And obviously Kevin Durant on the sidelines. And then when he plays, they clearly wanted to play with each other. So I think he knows, hey, I can't have that same crap happen. But the thing about it is... And you'll admit this as somebody that liked D'Angelo, and I love D'Angelo, and I'm very thankful for his two years here. Kyrie Irving's a better player than D'Angelo Russell. And I'm not even sure if D'Angelo Russell could become as good of a player as Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is so much more of an efficient player. He can get to the basket whenever he wants. I think one of the issues with D'Angelo last year is his inability to get to the free throw line. He relied on that mid-range jump shot. I think he's an all-star. He was an all-star last year. He certainly had his clutch moments. The game against Sacramento was incredible. I just envision, okay, what's the best of D'Angelo Russell? And it's very good. I don't think it's as good as what Kyrie Irving has already been. And so from a talent standpoint, I completely get it. That aspect, I don't rip Kyrie on. The other stuff, hey, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be thinking about it, especially if things go bad early. Kyrie Irving, second team All-NBA. Yeah. I mean, that basically says he's a top four guard in the sport. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, he's as good as it gets, you know, him and Steph. Up there with the best point guards in the league, you take the risk. And if it means, as we've said, it meant Kevin Durant was coming along. Well, here's the thing. So one of the discussions we had for a very long time is if Durant doesn't come, what? And Marks was honest with me because I said, hey, were you going to pair up Kyrie and D'Angelo? And he basically said no. Mm-hmm. I was listening to that. I, I took that. that answer as that was never going to happen. We considered it, but, you know, it wouldn't right. have been fair right. to either guy. So... If they had simply gotten rid of D'Angelo Russell for Kyrie Irving, even though Kyrie's the better player, but knee issues, attitude issues, and then signed whomever, Tobias Harris, Julius Randle, I have no idea. I think we would be having a more fearsome debate. I think we know they had zero shot at Kevin Durant without Kyrie Irving. And if you wanted to take that Durant risk, you've got to sign Kyrie. If the goal is winning a championship and it's Kyrie Irving and Julius Randle, you're not winning a championship. So at that point, you could have a whole different conversation and take the risk on Russell being four years younger. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and he becomes better and you get lucky. But your goal is to win a title. So Kyrie, KD, a lot of risk involved. But at least you can say there is a chance yeah. that this that they have the talent to do it. Well, the, the other thing that I like, and we didn't experience this after the Boston trade, and the Clippers and Lakers have to worry about this, they gave up a lot of picks to put together their squad. The Nets haven't. The Nets gave up two picks, one from this year, one from next year that they already replaced by acquiring Philadelphia's pick next year and then acquiring an extra potential first-round pick in the Russell-Durant sign-and-trade. They are ahead of the game when it comes to first-round picks. They're not behind. I mean, if you look at the amount of picks the L.A. Clippers have given up, they better win a championship, and George and Kawhi better stay. The Nets are in a position, it doesn't mean we're not going to be stressed out for the next three years, but they're not buried if things don't go well because they haven't given up all their assets. The Lakers and Clippers have, and I think that's a credit to Sean Marks because I think we would have gladly said, sure, you had to give up some picks. You had to move Don on Musa. You had to move Joe Harris. That sucks, but hey, you got Durant and Kyrie. 
I think it was amazing he was able to pull off giving up none of that to get these guys. See, here. we could take Durant, Kyrie, and D'Angelo Russell all off the nets and say we're still in a good spot. I mean, we'd still be in a good well, spot. Well, we're not buried. No, we're not buried. Right. They still be... Not Billy King spot. Yeah. Right. We'd yeah. Have... Or the Clippers or Lakers. Rebuild, if they lose... Healthy rebuilding. Yes. We'd have picks. I mean, we'd have we'd have young players. It would certainly be centered around LaVert. I mean, sure. I think even with D'Angelo, it was centered around LaVert anyway. But, I mean, I again, I don't want to think about – I think I told you this the other day. I don't want to think about these guys leaving. I mean, they haven't played a game yet. <laughs> so let's get to the floor first and see and see how that goes. Let's get Kevin Durant back healthy and see how that goes. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, once you, once you think a couple of years down the road, we're in a good, in a good spot. What did you think of DeAndre Jordan bringing him in? Conflicted. Because, because I, I, I'm excited to see what Jared Allen becomes. So in my head, I was like, he's the starting center of the future. But I know the upside of DeAndre Jordan, if he wants to play defense, if he's engaged, if he's fully committed, I mean, he is a center that can be it can wreak havoc. So uh, from one point of view, I was a little, hey, I want to see Jared Allen progress and become the center and the all-star that I think he can be. But then at the same time, I said, Mike, be realistic here. This guy is a big body. He can bang with the likes of Joel Embiid. If they got to a spot in the playoffs again, it would be a very different playoffs with him in the, with him in there. And ultimately, he gets you to where you need to go. I'll, I'll be curious to see what kind of player we get in DeAndre Jordan this season because he was a freak athlete with the Clippers. He was unbelievable, you know, rim rocker, defending, blocking shots. But last season, he basically took the year off. Yeah, I mean, it basically was a paid vacation. He for better him. be better. The the Mavericks stunk, and then with and then with going to the Knicks, he knew that his role there was not to play. I mean, right. they didn't want to give give him minutes, and he was lazy when he was on the court. Yeah, you. So I, I'll be curious to see what what he does for them. Well, he better not be lazy, and I don't think he will be. And it's not to make an excuse for what he did last year because there is no excuse. You're making that kind of money, go out and play. I don't care what you think the Mavericks are going to be or what you care the Knicks' role for you is. You should play. And he didn't defend. And the value of DeAndre Jordan is a big body who can defend, specifically Joel Embiid in mind. I mean, there's no question that that's a guy on our mind because whether it's in the first round or the second round, whether it's this year or it's next year, I think there's a damn good chance that the Brooklyn Nets are going to have to go through those bastards again, Mm. specifically that guy. Um, Jared Allen played 25 minutes a night last year. That was his number. 25 minutes a night. That's not very uncommon in the Kenny Atkinson system. They keep their minutes down and watch. They'll do that with Kyrie Irving. And they'll definitely do that with Kevin Durant (laughs) when he comes back. There'll be moments where they go small, especially when Kevin Durant is healthy. But most of the time, you're going to see either DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen on the floor. There were 48 minutes in a basketball game. I think there's a very good chance you're going to see close to a 50-50 split when it comes to minutes between these two guys. And I think the hope is Jordan will help toughen up Jared Allen. Because that's the thing. Jared Allen needs to toughen up after what happened last year. He got bitched out by Joel Embiid. That's what happened. And he didn't look very good in summer league. I thought he did. I, don't think he, he, I, I didn't think he looked great. You want him more dominant? Yeah. Well, because he was playing against guys who were, you know, in the summer league. I mean, kind of, yeah, to be honest <laughs> I, with I didn't take much of it. The truth is I saw maybe 10 to 15 minutes of the entire summer league. I would joke around with Bisegli and text him and say, man, I want this championship. We're so close. Well, but, I mean, and then he got hurt, by the way. I did see that. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you think about it, if, if we got a guy of his caliber and somebody who – and we have an image of what we want him to be, 
you kind of got to dominate a little well, bit in summer league. Here's right? the thing. He's 21 years old, and that's what we sometimes so forget about Jared Allen. He is still 21 years old. He turned 21 in April, so he was freshly – actually, I don't even think he was 21 during that series against Philadelphia. I, I think his birthday was like between one of the games yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it was. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the thing about Allen is we want to see a big step from him. I don't think bringing Jordan in is necessarily a bad thing. I'm curious about who starts. Ultimately, who starts is sort of overrated. It's about who finishes. And one encouraging thing from DeAndre Jordan last year, despite the fact that he played no defense, is that he actually hit his free throws at a much more respectable clip. And that would be key to keeping his ass on the floor in the final few minutes of a game, that he's actually hitting 70% of his free throws. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the number was 70%. It was right around 70, yeah. Isn't that surprising? Correct me if I'm wrong, but... I'm I'm like ninety eight percent on this. Did Jared Allen and Ed Davis ever share the court no. together at one for one minute? I of don't the game? even think there was a minute. No, I don't think there was one minute. No. So going on that logic, are we going to have the same split with with they Allen and Jordan? Together. They're no, not going to play, play with together. each other. So no. to get to your point of what are the minutes going to be like? They're going to split it, but. But you would think DeAndre Jordan's going to get more minutes than what Ed Davis did because <sighs> of Ed Davis was. I loved him. Trust me, but he had his limitations offensively. DeAndre Jordan's better. DeAndre than Ed Jordan Davis. can yeah. can finish better around the rim. Yeah. He's got more of a low post game than Ed, Ed Davis basically did not have one. Right. So Jordan gives you more. So I'm curious. But now you have Jared Allen, who, in theory, is in his third year in the league, so should be getting more minutes. Right. How how can he divvies that? Up? I think it's going to be close to fifty fifty, and I think a lot of it is going to depend on how these guys are playing. Now, hopefully, DeAndre Jordan got a very nice contract. I mean, the guy got a four year deal. He's making you know what is it, ten million dollars a year. Yeah. I hope he comes in with the right attitude, not only from the attitude of hey, we need to see this guy play defense and care. But B, also know that there's a 21-year-old center who the Nets are trying to develop. That's part of why Nicholas, Nicholas Claxton is going to spend the entire league in the G League. We're barely going to see him. Right. He's going to be a non-factor. And that's okay. Marinate and develop him because Theo Pinson's going to have a role on this team. See, that's one of the big differences. When you look at the change in roster between last year and this year, there are a lot of similarities. One of the big differences, besides the obvious Kyrie for D'Angelo, the veteran pieces are gone, and they've been replaced by other veteran pieces. So Jared Dudley, who was very important to this team, is gone. Damare Carroll, who hit one of the biggest shots of the year. Remember the game before the All-Star break Cleveland. against Cleveland? Oh, yeah. He's gone. Yeah. And obviously Ed Davis. I look at these replacements. Ed Davis is being replaced by DeAndre Jordan. We just went through that. We both, I think, feel DeAndre Jordan's a better player. Yes, uh, yeah, upgrade. Okay. I would say so. It's, I'm not saying this because of the hair. I'm saying this because of their style. I think Torian Prince replaces Damare Carroll. And at this point in their careers, Dor- Torian Prince has a bigger upside. He's a younger player. And I think he could excel in this system. Agreed. I know it doesn't matter uh, at this point for a guy who's who's been in the league now for a little bit, but he was drafted 12th. It doesn't. I know it doesn't matter, but he was a high... You're talking about Torian Prince? Yeah, Torian Prince. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of talent. And I think being on a better roster, on a better team... I think he's going to start. If I had to guess right now, I think he's the starting stretch four on this team. I would agree. Yeah, 100%. So I think he has a chance to be one of those real good underrated moves by Sean Marks, even though it was mostly done to clear the space of Alan Crabb's contract. We had to to give up two picks to do it. Sure. And get a pick back. And get a pick back. Yeah. When the Nets traded for Jared Dudley last season, it was after that first wave of free agency. It came like a couple, maybe like a week or two later. Right, right. And I really didn't think much of it. You know, I know who Jared Dudley was, but I didn't really. Wa- I'm not watching all of his games. He's buried in Phoenix. He was on the Bucks when they weren't very good. It was early Giannis, and then earlier in his career with the Suns. I didn't really know that much about Jared Dudley. That guy won me over so hard. 
I thought he was so crucial for this team, and he's the one guy, the veterans, that I, I'm upset he's not there. Yeah, because he gave a tone when when things were bad, and he would he knew how to handle a locker room, and I, and I feel like him with Kyrie would have been such a nice security blanket to kind of mellow out everybody. That's the one I was I was a little ticked off well, when he it, left. It, it's fair because. While I think all three of those veterans were very valuable in their own ways, I don't think Jared Dudley was the better player of the three by any stretch. I think the best player of the three was probably Damare Carroll, maybe Ed Davis. I mean, because he played such a valuable role as the backup five. But where Dudley's importance was was obvious was he was a leader on the floor. He was a leader off the floor. I think we saw his value in game four, and both you and I agreed that the trade-off of Butler and Dudley being ejected actually hurt the Nets more. I just don't know how you measure how you replace that. It's and, and there's impossible. no way to. You know who could be the guy to replace that? Kevin Durant. And, and yes. that's something that yes. I don't know how to measure either, but Kevin Durant is going to be around. And Kenny Atkinson said that in his interview with Mike. Ian Eagle has said that when he joined us, that don't dismiss the value of Kevin Durant. I'll tell you where I think that's valuable, with Kyrie Irving. If Kyrie Irving has any kind of issue, and hopefully there's none, He's got his big brother right there. I mean, we've heard that relationship described as they are brothers. And so I think that's going to help in a big way. Before the guy ever takes the floor for this team, I do think his leadership is going to be felt, especially with Kyrie Irving. Well, that's why for for me, I don't I'm not too concerned about Kyrie's attitude because I think this is where he wants to be. His first time in his career, he picked where he wants to be and he's got his boy there. So It'll help. It, it'll it'll help. The only thing I'm concerned about is really the injuries when it comes to Kyrie. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know what? I would agree that if I have to rank the concerns, I'd put the health number one. Of course. Rightfully so. I think you have to. Yeah. And and I think the Nets are going to be very careful with him, by the way, too. I, if you expect him to play 75 games, don't expect it. It's interesting when you bring up the point as Kevin Durant as the guy that's around. Just because, you know, Jared Dudley was awesome, but it's not the skill level of Kevin Durant. And that's why I know you said in the past, hey, in two weeks from now, I don't, you know, we're not talking about Kevin Durant. I, I, I think it is critical for him to be there, to get involved, to be the fabric of the organization, be in the locker room, be part of the Nets. And I think for him, what Durant was lacking in Golden State was he was lacking people going to him and looking for leadership. He had already joined this ready-made yeah, team. Yeah, he joined yeah. this team. So, you know, it was Steph Curry. It was Draymond Green. Those were the guys that were the Andre Iguodala. Kevin Durant can come here and be a leader for these guys. Yeah. And I and I think he's he's probably craving that at this point in his, in his career. And him and Kyrie, you know, with 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 LeBron, LeBron always went, you know, Kyrie's my younger brother. Right. He's a brother, but he's my younger brother. Kyrie and Durant, it's more of like a mutual respect with each other back and forth. They're brothers in the more sense of best friends. Mm. And I'm I'm excited to see what Durant no, I, does in the locker room. It, I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, and then also just to be like there's Kevin Durant right, right. on his scooter chilling out of the Barclays <laughs> well, Center hopefully. early. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go say hi. Hopefully he's not on his scooter by the time the season starts. Hopefully he's yeah. out there taking jump shots or whatever that's his fair. rehab program yeah, takes him fair. to. No, when I've said I don't want to hear about Kevin Durant, I mean Kevin Durant the player. I mean Kevin Durant being the starting stretch four. I mean looking at Kevin Durant on your depth chart. Kevin Durant being sure. around and being a leader is completely different. The Garrett Temple signing is underrated too because of his ability to defend. And I think that's an aspect of this team that needs to be better if they're going to take the next step. And another big factor on this team, even though it isn't an addition, but it kind of is, is Donan Musa. Because he wasn't a part of this team last year. He was a part of the G League team. He was around. 
He's going to have a role on this team. And he could play a pivotal role. And also, Rodion's Karut's taking a step in year two. So I think this team, forget Durant. And this is what I mean by forget Durant. Just looking at this yeah. roster, this is a better team than what they were last year. Now, what does that translate into wins-wise, playoff-wise? I'm still trying to figure that out. But I don't know about you guys. I do feel, forgetting Kevin Durant, this is a better basketball team than what they were a year ago. I mean, if 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 you want to say forget about Durant and just go based off of what we have. Yeah. And assuming Kyrie stays healthy, I really think that they could get to 50, maybe 52 wins. So you think they can be nine games better, 10 games yeah, better? I absolutely do. Absolutely do. I, yeah, I thought, and we had mentioned this, without making any moves, right? If they just brought the exact same team back, they ran it back, same crew, what would they be? And I thought they would be four or five games better. Maybe more, because not that you could assume health or predict injuries, but, hey, if Karis LeVert's healthy for a full year and he plays like an all-star, my God, that team is better. You know, D'Angelo Russell, people forgot about this. This guy was benched early in the season in the fourth quarter of games. That would never happen late in the year. So you would think you'd be seeing a different D'Angelo Russell. We mentioned Musa, who was sort of on the team, but not really. Rodion Scrooge getting better. So I naturally thought without doing anything, they would be better. Now, there is a chemistry thing that you have to worry about. D'Angelo Russell's not here. There are new players on this roster. So from that aspect, that's a negative when it comes to win total. But assuming relative health, yeah, I mean, I I think that's a fair expectation. Now, 50, maybe 52. I'd say more like 49, 50, but we're, you know, yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're cutting just, hairs here. Well, you're, you're also forgetting, you know, they'd have a healthy Alan Crabb back. What? You're talking about bringing back the same. Oh, roster. if they brought back Alan Crabb, bringing back a healthy Alan <laughs> I try Crabb to, ignore, to go out there and shoot threes. I try to ignore his existence. Does it feel like he was ever even? I mean, you wouldn't even mention him in bringing back the veterans. He, I mean, it was like he wasn't even there. He's a w- weird Nets career. Well, I mean, that he is the one rare mistake that Sean Marks made. Let's be honest, and I brought that up to him that he had to give up two picks to give up a contract that he openly took back from Portland after signing him initially to an offer sheet. Yeah, but they were in the place where they had to take risks, and you know that one didn't. You know work. what though? And I was going to ask this tomorrow. Maybe the next time I have mine, I'm going to ask this because it's kind of a douchey question, and you know I wasn't I think really I know where you're going with this. Yeah, well, hey, Sean. If Tyler Johnson's offer sheet isn't matched, if Otto Porter's offer sheet isn't matched, Alan Crabb didn't matter. They got him anyway. Where are we today? <laughs> Certainly not where we are. Yeah, where, where are we? You need luck. Oh, I'm just saying. Well, they were in such a place of desperation that he had to do that stuff. But and could you imagine, though, it. and this is, this, is, this is my point from where we started this podcast in that when Alan Crabb, Tyler Johnson, and Otto Porter's contra- uh, offer sheets got matched, we were disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and right. now we're sitting here with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan on our roster, and I mean, look at how look at the difference there. Yeah, no, I mean, you are right that it takes a little bit of luck. That good GMs, bad GMs, every GM needs a little bit of luck to help them out, and certainly not being saddled with those contracts turned out to be a good thing. What are your expectations? Billy laid out 50-plus wins. Do you think that's a fair expectation for this team? Yes, and I think yes, I think hovering right around 50 is, is fair, and I think more than just the win or loss totals, and Sean Marks said this when you talked to him, it was about them evolving as a franchise. They have to move forward and understand, hey, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are here. We have to do things a little bit differently, and I just want to see them as a franchise evolve 
where they're taking steps and putting bigger expectations on themselves. Right. And if that's 47 wins, 51 wins, I don't think it's as important, but it's that we see where this franchise is moving forward. It's not that, hey, we're developing our young players now. It's, hey, we have superstars and we're working together as a unit. You know, one factor when trying to figure out how many games a team is going to win is the boring factor, and that's analyzing your competition, right? And what I think has happened in the Eastern Conference over the last three weeks is I think almost everybody has actually gotten worse. And what I mean by that is Milwaukee won 60 games last year. They lost a key player in Malcolm Brogdon. I don't see them winning 60 games again. I think they'll be very good. I think they'll be the best team in the East. I'd say they're going to be more mid to high 50s. Still very good. Still elite. I don't know if I see 60 and 22 again. Maybe they're maybe they're the same, but they're not better. Is that fair? That's fair. 100% fair. And about Milwaukee, it's... It's about does Giannis improve? Does he get a sure. jumper? It's it's not about fifty to sixty wins. It's about what does he do in the playoffs when they have four guys guarding eight feet of space. No, no, and you're right about that, and that's the key to them. I'm only talking more about okay, where are right. the wins coming from from everybody? Agreed. I think from a regular season standpoint, they go down a little bit. I think clearly the Raptors are going to go down. They won fifty eight games last year. Even if you think they have a good core around Kawhi and they played really well without Kawhi, I mean, if they won ten games less, I'd say they had a very good year. If they won 48 games, I'd say they'd have a good year. So those 58 wins are disappearing. I think we all agree with that. Absolutely. Can't argue that. Philly, I'm very mixed about Philadelphia because I actually think they're going to be better. I think they're going to win more than 50 games. And the reason I think that is they had to change their roster in the middle of the season. And that's not easy. Adding Jimmy Butler early in the season is not just insert Jimmy Butler. Adding Tobias Harris is not as simple as add Tobias Harris. Is their roster better this year? I don't think it is. Despite adding Al Horford, I don't think talent-wise they're as good. I think losing J.J. Redick is a huge blow. But another year of Ben Simmons. Hopefully for him he's improving his shot. Another year of Joel Embiid. Of course, the health is the key with them. I think they're combustible because of the fact that Embiid could go down at any moment. But I would look at them and say, okay, that's a team that will win as much, if not more, games. Fair? Fair. Boston. Wow. They're weird to me. You think they're going to win more games? Yeah, I think they're going to win more games. They won 49 games last year. I think they're going to be better. That's interesting. Yeah, to me, the Sixers and the Celtics are the same team in a lot of ways. It's not about adding Kemba Walker. It's not about adding Tobias Harris. It's about what does Ben Simmons do? What kind of player is he? Does Joel Embiid get his S together? And for the Celtics, which Jason Tatum do they have? Do they have rookie rookie Jason Tatum or do they have does sophomore Does he excel Jason? with Kyrie not being there? Yeah. Is it first-year Jason Tatum or second-year Jason Tatum? If it's first-year, the Celtics are in a good place. If it's second-year, the Celtics are screwed. Yeah. I, I think Kemba could be a better fit there than Kyrie was. Doesn't mean Kemba's better. What I've always said about Kemba and Kyrie is Kyrie's the better player, but I feel more comfortable with Kemba. I yeah. feel safer with Kemba. He plays. He's got the right attitude. He's been the best player on a playoff team. I feel comfortable with a Kemba Walker, and that may be exactly what they need. Yeah, it's like if you're dating a girl and she's crazy, she's going out late at night, she's coming back partying, she's drunk. You go, I can't deal with this anymore. You're like, I, I need a new girlfriend. They went the exact opposite. She'll be home. <laughs> she's home. She's there for me. I, I don't have to worry about her. I'm not scared she's going to go out and cheat on me. So they made the exact opposite move and got a security blanket in Kemba. That's the exact opposite of how they felt with Kyrie. I think Indiana wins fewer games. They're very different. They lost some of their best players last year. You still have to deal with the Oladipo health. I like some of the offseason moves that they made. But they won 48 games last year. So I figure they're going to win a few less games. I think Orlando's probably in that same boat, if not a little bit less. 
Detroit is probably in that same boat, if not a little bit less. Charlotte's going to take a monstrous hit. They won 39 games last year. That number is going to be a lot lower. I think Washington's going to be terrible. I think Atlanta will be a little bit better. Chicago will be a little bit better. Cleveland will be bad. The Knicks will be better, but I don't know how good they're going to be. So I think when you look up and down this conference, the wins are coming somewhere. I think that helps get the Nets a couple of extra wins, plus the fact they're better. So I kind of put them in that 48 to 50 range. And my goal, because ultimately it's what you do in the playoffs, is I want a round. Mm. I want to win a round. I think the experience of getting to the second round, of taking that next step, and then the following year, healthy Kevin Durant, let's go. I think then the expectations are go win a championship. Is that fair? Yes, that's fair. You want the Celtics in the first round? I'm not picking opponents here. I think it's going to be Boston. (laughs) By the way, just my take really quickly on the Celtics. I just think we need to pump the brakes on them just for one reason. I think I think that team is going to go as far as Brad Stevens takes them because Kyrie couldn't wait to get out of there. I know he has issues with his attitude, but also who's the prototypical NBA player is Al Horford. He couldn't wait to get out of there either. So I, I think something else is going on there. It's funny. The Al Horford departure True. is the one thing that put bells up to say, huh, maybe there was something more going on there than just simply Kyrie Irving. The Durant return thing. Now, Sean Marks is doing the right thing by not saying he's definitely out for the year. He's kind of keeping everything open-ended. You know, it's up to the doctors. It's up to Kevin. Do you think we're going to see Kevin Durant play basketball for the Nets this season? Oh, wow. God. (laughs) I think late. So you think they're going to bring him back? Very late. What does that mean, late? When? Late. mm... (laughs) What's late? Late in the playoffs? Late in the regular season? Well, Why? Right. You remember the late year, at night? When? Remember the year Paul George came back? He came back late, very late in that year, like six games left. I think we could potentially see something like that. So you think Kevin Durant is going to make his Brooklyn Net debut with about a week to go in the season? If we're in the playoffs oh. and he's healthy and clear to play, I think you'd, I think you'd do it. Do you believe Sean Marks when he said where the Nets are will have absolutely nothing to do with it? It's all about Kevin and when he's ready to come back? Yes. Yeah. I, I believe that. I don't think, look, because this season could go a few different ways without Kevin Durant. They could win 42 games again, bottom of the Eastern Conference, block on a season, or things could click better than we could imagine. They win 53 games. They're the three seed or the two seed in the Eastern Conference. I actually believe Marks when he says that's not going to matter. When Kevin Durant is ready to come back, we'll bring him back. Because let's say they, they have a very disappointing year. They get the eighth seed. They play in Milwaukee. And Kevin's like, I'm ready. I'm physically ready. You wouldn't bring him back just because they're playing the Bucks. Like, I'd say, why not? Bring him back. If he's ready to come back, he's ready to come back. Yeah, you let Kevin make this decision. Or or his team. This is not... I know with what happened with the Warriors when, when he got hurt. Obviously, he rushed back and it didn't work out for him. Whatever this guy wants, when he's ready, when he's comfortable, it's on his timeline. There's no need to rush. The, don't need a, a cheap result because you're excited because you're in the playoffs and he's ready to rock. I would, I I think they're going to wait the whole season. I think so. They you are. do not think he'll play. this I don't season. think he's going to play this year. I think I think they have big picture on their mind. Yeah, I if I had to guess, and it's this is one of those weird sports guesses. How can you guess? We're trying to predict someone's body or how someone feels. I would say we don't see him this year. I think the Nets are conservative. I think Kevin realizes. Why would I rush back? As much as a, he's a competitor, I'm sure he's going to want to come back. I think you want to be smart about it. So I don't think he's going to come back. But boy, oh boy, could you imagine Kevin Durant's Brooklyn Nets debut game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals or something of that nature? Could you imagine that? 
Can you imagine? Against the Raptors. Because okay. <laughs> Barkley Center found its soul this past year. And I saw it as a season ticket sure. holder since the beginning of their move. They finally found it. You know, there was energy in that building for that postseason. That, there was no energy for their previous postseasons in Brooklyn. It wasn't there. They had it this year. You mentioned there's going to be a lot of front runners that jump aboard. So between the diehards that can't believe this is happening, the front runners that want to cheer on the star, the night he makes his debut is going to be one of the most electric nights the franchise has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, and that just gets me back to my original point: is that <laughs> July first was the most important day in the history of the franchise. We'll see. Uh, I think the best course. that we will see of if course. it turns no, out to listen, be true. Listen, but to me. All right, is it fair if I say it's my most important day in the history of the No, franchise? I think it's definitely for you. You're 29 years old. You haven't seen everything, so I think that's fair. Final question. I want you to be honest with me. When the Nets signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, were you more excited that the Nets signed them or excited that you just saw the Knicks lose out to the Brooklyn Nets? No, no. Honest, I And listen, I'm going to be completely honest here. Yeah. People might not believe me, but I was, <laughs> but I really was genuinely happy just as a Nets fan. I wasn't thinking about the Knicks at all. When I got that Woj tweet, the first thing I did was text our group chat. <laughs> and I lost. I was here running the board for the Jody Mack show right. on, CBS, on CBS Sports Radio on Sundays. And it was close to the end of my shift, and I got the Woj bomb, and I was like, I screamed. I screamed. I mean, that, I, there's nothing else I could do. So I it could, was pro-Nets, not anti-Nets. Yeah, exactly. How about you, pro-Nets? 100% pro-Nets. <laughs> but, but, sure. but it was cool to see the Knicks have a, um, yeah. And they're still having a tough time adjusting. Nick fans are still very confused about what to do. Yeah, That's new, for sure. the new insult is there's, that just, there's just not many Net fans. <laughs> right. Attendance, ratings, there aren't a lot of Net fans. Thank you, fellas. This has been fun. Thank you. Our Brooklyn Nets off-season recap. I'm sure we'll have many more Nets podcasts before the season starts. Next week, though, a very special Mets-Yankees trade deadline history podcast. That's coming up on this Evan Roberts podcast. Thank you very much for listening.